When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition, another year of the Sunbelt Underdog Dynasty Podcast. My name is Brian Stone. Uh, I return to host for this year uh, and this year co-host I'm joined by Georgia State writer for Underdog Dynasty, Zeke Palermo. Zeke, how's it going? You know, I'm hanging out, Brian, ready for another good year of football, God willing, and uh, really excited to get started into this uh, preseason stuff. Yeah, so uh, we're coming off the heels of Sunbelt Media Day, uh, Media Days uh, for the East and West teams. Uh, in this episode, we'll kind of touch on a little bit of the uh, the main talking points that came away. Uh, from from Sunbelt Media Days. Uh, Zeke, I don't know about you, um, but just to start, I've never been a huge fan of Media Day coverage in general. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you can believe this or not, but it turns out every coach and player thinks their team is going to be good this year. No, yeah, it is a bunch of uh, you know smoke and mirrors, blowing hot air, shaking hands, kissing babies kind of ordeal. Um I think it's a great opportunity for coaches, especially to kind of reintroduce themselves to one another. Um, And it's a good opportunity for us media guys to get our feet wet before games really start. But in terms of actual, you know, breaking news, nobody was dropping any uh, real bombs uh, when they were down there in New Orleans. No, and it makes you long to like cover SEC media days where Jimbo Fisher's ready to fist fight Nick Saban. Um, This is just a lot of, well, we're we're going to be a good football team this year, and the players are all like, "Oh, we're going to be a good football team this year," and you're just you're like, "All right, I've, I got it." Um, but anyway, so so jumping right into this, uh, you know, obviously we had these new teams uh, join the Sun Belt. Uh, we had, you know, in total, James Madison moves up from the FCS level. Uh, Marshall comes over from Conference USA, Southern Miss comes over from Conference USA, Old Dominion comes in uh, to the Sun Belt as an independent. Zeke, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about James Madison coming up from the FCS level. Um, this was, you know, uh, I guess a, one of the main talking points of the the day one of the Sun Belt Media Day, uh, head coach Kurt Signetti, uh, of James Madison was not uh, pleased <laughs> with with uh, James Madison being forecasted to finish sixth uh, in the Sun Belt this year. Right. Um, you know, obviously, anytime a team moves up from the FCS level to the FBS level, there typically is a little bit of adjustment that needs to happen. Now, I, I will say that. Uh, I will say also say, you know, Georgia Southern was not a typical situation when we moved up from the FCS level. 
uh, and and won the Sun Belt in the first year. Um, you know, typically teams are closer to like App, where you need a little bit of adjustment period. But once you kind of get your feet under you, you know, you can hit the ground running. What do you? What did you think of kind of what Signetti was talking about at Sunbelt Media Day? And kind of give me your general thoughts on what you kind of expect, I guess, from from James Madison this year. So as we said, it is, you know, pumping your guys up at these media days. So you didn't expect any coach to go out there, let alone, you know, one of the teams that are brand new to this conference to come out here and say, you know, we're going to get our butts whooped this year. Um, No matter how good or bad, you don't expect that from any coach at this kind of event. So to say I was taken aback by Spignetti saying, you know what, we've, we've got something in the tank, that, would, that was par for the course. Um, you mentioned Georgia Southern and um, App both making the transition fairly recently. Um, I think those will be two. Um, you mentioned Southern being an outlier. I think App State's a great, I don't know, trail more, um, measuring stick, if you will. You know, this is where you need to be at X point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not holding my breath. I think the jump from FCS to FBS is enormous, bigger than a lot of people think. Um, however, it's also important to note that these teams that do make the jump, such as um, Old Dominion, rather, uh, such as Old Dominion, was it Dominion or Madison? I'm so sorry. James Madison moved up from the FCS level. I'm sorry. Um, but teams like James Madison, rather, the teams that do make the jump, aren't just the best of the best at the FCS level. They are, you know, light years ahead of their competition. Um, so to say that it's going to be a flawless transition like Southern would be an overstatement, but I think this team's going to do a little bit better than uh, people might expect. I I agree. I don't quite think they're going to be as bad as, uh, you know, forecasted. Now, I will say the East is really tough this year. Um, because, you know, excuse me, you have app, uh, you know, app and coastal are kind of the pinnacle of the East and everybody kind of assumes that unless a team sort of comes out of nowhere and just knocks them off, you're kind of expecting those two teams to fight it out for the East this year. I mean, is that, is that fair to say? No, I mean, you know, had you asked me around December of last year, I would have told you Georgia State might have a shot um, in this year, 2020, but it's App and Coastal's conference. Um, I can't imagine any of the new teams making huge waves, and you and I both know what to expect from State and Southern, and it is not a uh, division championship. Well, my we're kind of getting off track with the James Madison talk, but with, with the East and the way it kind of works right now, State's biggest problem is is consistency. Um, You know, putting together multiple wins over a number of weeks, even consistently sticking with a quarterback has been an issue with them. You know, going back a couple of years now, it's like as soon as it seems like as soon as they kind of find somebody, they immediately have to pivot and go a different direction because again, there's there's very little consistency even at the quarterback position. But so. You know, as we talked about, Coastal and App are, are expected to kind of be the head and shoulders of the East. Um, now, I do think that they will, James Madison can compete with like Old Dominion, for example. Um, yep. I fully 
don't know what to expect out of Old Dominion, um, to, to be quite honest. They did not play a game in 2020 due to COVID. They had a first-year head coach last year. Um, you know, they did win five games at the end of the regular season and went to a bowl game. So that was that was positive. However, they are coming off of, you know, being an independent and kind of having to cobble together a schedule as the season, you know, progresses or, you know, they don't they haven't had the the in, the day in day out of you have to win this game to go to the conference title game and things like that. So I don't know how they're going to pan out. Uh, Marshall is another team that has recently joined the East. Um, if you had asked me two years ago, um, I would say, uh, you know, Grant Wells was going to be big for them. Uh, and then he was bad last year and I'm fairly sure he transferred. So he's not even with the team anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I thought that he was kind of going to be the, I guess the step below Grayson McCall as far as like quarterback play. And then last year just completely regressed like really, really bad. So I don't know what to expect from them. Uh, and then, you know, Georgia Southern, I, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this probably in a later episode. They're currently just having to completely retool what they are as a team, what offense they run. So I'm not expecting like great things out of them this year. I'm kind of expecting a lot of growing pains, but I, I mean, you know, I may be a little hot takey saying this. It, I, I wouldn't be shocked if old if if James Madison, you know, kind of wedged their way up in like the four spot, maybe even the three if they're really really good. Um, just because the East is it's a two man race right now, and everybody else is kind of fighting for relevance. You know, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, again, to double down, I mean, we're by the end of our season previews, we're going to have set it to death. The East is a two-team conference at the moment between App and Coastal. Um, I, and then again, this may be a little biased, I find Georgia State is a pretty comfortable number three. Um, but then I could, uh, as you said, I think Madison and um, uh, Marshall, I think, are going to be fighting for that four spot. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of ambiguity in the middle of the table. Um, and as we kind of flip over to the other conference later, you know, we'll talk about it. it's a very similar story on that on the West as well. But outside of the top two, I feel like there's a ton of ambiguity in the middle of that table. For sure. Um, so we'll talk about this as the last kind of touch point uh, for the East. You know, obviously, Signetti expects, you know, to kind of surprise a lot of teams in the East. And, you know, we'll have to see what that kind of looks like. Um, but, you know, moving along, speaking of, you know, I talked about Grayson McCall a little bit ago, you know, he, he lost to two receivers, uh, or a receiver and a tight end from last year and Isaiah likely and Javon Haley, uh, he's, he's recovering from, you know, shoulder surgery, uh, last year that kind of put a, I guess a stake, uh, through any chance of, of coastal making a run for the, uh, Sunbelt conference title last year, you know, are you expecting him to kind of come in and just be, you know, exactly what he was? Do you think this is kind of unfinished business for them? Because just a reminder for everybody, and I know our former our former host, Matt Miguez, would love to point this out. They've never actually won the Sunbelt Championship. It felt like two years ago that they did, but then the game got canceled due to COVID 
outbreak within the team. So they ended up splitting the title in a game. The game never happened. So yeah. I just, a weird, that was a weird situation all around. But in my mind, if you're splitting it like that, you don't have a definitive champion. Do you think that this is sort of like, A, is it his last hurrah? Um, I mean, is he, you think he's going to go pro after the season? B, do you think this is sort of, we have to, for Grayson McCall, that we have to absolutely like plant our flag and be outright the best team this year? Uh, so first off, I believe in the annals of Sunbelt history, they uh, record Coastal and Louisiana as co-champions that year. Um, sure. But um, for Coastal, you're dead on. It's a, it's a make-or-break year. I th- um, I think that for their head coach, um, and it's Caldwell, right? Chadwell. Um, Chadwell, rather. I, I, I think this is a make-or-break year for him. I don't know what his contract looks like, but I, I think if you don't make splashes here, then your um, then your contract is uh, in worry. And then to your point about McCall, it's that shoulder you really do worry about. Um, this is anecdotal. I, I can't really give example or fact to back this up, but I, I feel especially uh, at the college level, shoulder surgery can be incredibly detrimental for a quarterback. Um, because you've got to you've got to pretty much relearn how to throw. You know, it's like when a, a pitcher um, has some devastating arm surgery. You know, you've got to relearn those mechanics um, in a yep. healthier way that now works for your body. Um, I, they've added a few pieces in the off season. Uh, I believe a safety from Georgia Tech, um, a couple defensive pieces, as well as uh, Sam Pickney from Georgia State. Um, so I think this roster has the talent on paper to compete with uh app for that top spot but it's going to be a question of can mccall not to put the entire um season on him but can mccall uh come back into what he was following surgery i i mean i would go as far as to say it it all relies on him i mean as far it's it's as far as the team goes it's him and chadwell um Mm -hmm. You know, and kind of what you said, I I actually feel the opposite about how Chad Will's contract and everything's going to play out. I think that when Grayson McCall's gone, he's leaving for a bigger job. Um, there's kind of been not rumors, but there's there's definitely been the feeling or the sense in the last couple of years when they've been dominant that he needs to move make a move to the next level soon. Uh, or else you kind of fall into that trap of like Blake Anderson at Arkansas State where he maybe stuck around a little too long and kind of, you know, I don't want to say outstayed his welcome because that wasn't the case, but he had a run of success there. And then that kind of diminished. And then it was, well, what do I do now? You know, and then he had some other some other personal stuff happen and that kind of facilitated his move out West. But, you know, I, I feel like you kind of got to strike while the iron's hot. And, and, you know, we just saw Billy Napier do that with the, his move to Florida last year or, you know, going into this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like it's, it's make or break, but for a little bit of a different reason, it's make or break because I feel like this may be the last season that you have McCall and Chadwell there. 
because mm-hmm. I think both of them might be moving on to to bigger and better things, you know, post the season. So I think you got to strike while the iron's hot and, you know, make your move and be an outright champion, which, which, you know, they haven't done yet, even though they've seemed so dominant. Um, but taking that and kind of, I wanted to do a little transition here to the West, but I think a bit, the best way to do it is uh, Grayson McCall was quoted as saying, we're not worried about teams in the West this year at yep. Sunbelt Media Day. What do you kind of think about that as we sort of transition into looking at some of the West teams? I mean, doesn't that just fit Coastal Carolina? They're flashy, they're gaudy. They're going to say those sorts of things. Um, whether he's right or not, and I do think that uh, Louisiana has a bit more in the tank that, uh, than he's giving them credit for, but I mean, more than anything, that just fits that Coastal Carolina brand, doesn't it? Yeah, um, you know, like I talked about uh, Matt last year when we were doing these, uh, he just could not stand the, like you said, like kind of the bravado around mm-hmm. that team. Um, you know, and they're definitely good. No one's taking anything away from them. They're definitely solid. But, you know, I, I, I do agree that the, the West is going to be weaker. I think that the conference title game is essentially going to come down to who makes it out of the East between App and Coastal. Um, but to say that kind of flies in the face of all the the things we talked about where Sunbelt Media Days are very, you know, run of the mill. There's no real comments that you're, you're like kind of raising your eyebrows at. But when I read that, I sort of got a little surprised. I'm like, do you really want to put bulletin board material up for any of these West teams? Well, it's, and as we're going to get into, there's no one really out West other than Louisiana. And it's a question of how well are they going to be without Napier and without Levi Lewis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they open at Florida State, which, you know, could be a very ugly game if you're a, um, a Cajun fan. Um, I It makes you wonder if Louisiana um, will be able to progress past Billy Napier. Um I, I couldn't even begin to tell you how to properly pronounce it. It's Desmoreau, right? Is that uh, the new pronunciation for his uh, I, head coach? I believe, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, but anyway, keep going, and I'll, no, I'll look up the pronunciation. Okay. So um, it's it's good that they're keeping him in. I believe he was a offensive coordinator um, mm-hmm. last season, so it's good to keep that continuity. Um, but. Uh, again, you know, you're losing both your head coach and your quarterback. That that really, fum- uh, you know, not to use football puns, but that really, you know, creates a false start within your offense, right? You're you're already two steps behind. Um, I think uh, I wish I could, you know, go into how another team might be able to compete with this now um, in maybe not in shambles, but this now disassembled Louisiana team. But there's no one looking up and down this uh, this uh, division that, you know, you say, you know what, they might be able to give him a run for their money. Yeah, I mean, so I looked it up. His his name is DeSormo. DeSormo, um, got it. Yeah, um, but yeah, like you said, there's a lot uh, that they're turning over from a personnel standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, we'll have to see what Louisiana kind of looks like this year. Um, but kind of going into it, 
I guess Louisiana by default is the like uh, I, again what Grace McCall said. I don't disagree with. I'm more surprised that he said it. I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, even with all of the turnover, wouldn't you say that right now, if you had to pencil somebody in in the West, it would be Louisiana? Oh, without question. Okay, so we're we're kind of on the same level there. Um, but kind of going down some of the other the other little talking points, it looks like a lot of these teams out of the West are just sort of looking to gather any sort of momentum outside of Louisiana. You know, Louisiana had that success last year that won the Sunbelt title beat app twice in a season which is can't be understated because app is a solid team every year um but when you look through the rest of these teams nothing really stands out you you're kind of hoping that some of these teams with prominent head coaches kind of make a move or at least sort of you know patch over some of the issues that they had last year number one Arkansas State with Butch Jones could not play a lick of defense last year. Um, we'll have to see how that all goes. Uh, Troy has a new head coach um, in in John Summerall. Uh, we'll have to see what he kind of brings to the table. And, you know, South Alabama, to be quite honest, you know, I don't know what to expect out of Troy, to be, to be fully sure. transparent. South Alabama looks like the only team as of where I sit today before having seen any games played that has any shot of kind of upsetting Louisiana and making a move out of the West. Um, yeah, I really liked what Terry Bowden did in uh, at ULM last year, but he's still a couple years away from really uh, putting together a 500 or even a you know, winning or even a 500 season. Mm-hmm. Um, to your, I think Troy, um, I could be wrong, but I believe we saw a bit of a surge from them later in the season. Um but uh, they're losing um, their top receiver, which is always a hit to an offense. Um, we did I, see a push out of them late in the season, but then they fired. But then know, they their fired coach. their head coach exactly. So what do you? Right. I, yeah, it's just like you don't see that. I there's no precedent to compare that to. Um, which well, makes it I, I think they had just seen enough. Um, to be to be totally honest, um, I think. I can't remember. I had the stats in front of me last year. I believe they finished like Chip Lindsey. I think he finished like 500 in the conference as a coach. Mm-hmm. Like he, like he won literally as many games as he lost and yeah. they never really held up to the standard that Neil Brown kind of put forth for them. Uh, and then they, you know, so we'll have to see what kind of Summerall brings to the table, I guess. Um, but looking down at some of these other West teams, uh, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Um, I don't understand how Jake Spavinall's still the head coach at Texas State. Um, I think he's had years to like put a, a, a competent football team out there, and it hasn't really come to fruition yet. Um, but you know, they get Arkansas State transfer Lane Hatcher to come over. Yep. Um, you know. He should be their quarterback, um, but Spavadol apparently is not ready to name him the starter officially. I I don't know if this is just one of those smokescreen things or what, but if he's really thinking about not making Hatcher the starter, I, I don't know what he's thinking. 
Um, I, I agree with you. I think it is more of a bulletin board thing for Hatcher. Just like, hey, you still got to earn this job every week kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I That's a monumental move um, that I think is widely going to go overlooked because Hatcher's moving from uh, Arkansas State to Texas State. Just the magnitude of those two teams kind of uh, – over or the lack of magnitude of those two teams over the shadow um, – what this move means. I mean, Hatcher was a very, very good quarterback at Arkansas state. Um, and that may just be product of volume because he was throwing the ball 60 times a game, but yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> he, he was a ve- statistically a very, very good quarterback at Arkansas state. Well, I think he revitalized Texas state, not a chance, but it's a very noteworthy move. And it's just, you know, you want to see how that plays out for uh, for him. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can talk about now Arkansas State a little bit. I, I think it was a I, – I don't know what it would have taken um, for them to have Lane Hatcher return, but I feel like sticking with James Blackman at the quarterback position for Arkansas State is going to give them some issues. I personally, if I was running a team – I would rather have Lane Hatcher as my starter um, than, uh, than, you know, um, but anyone on that roster, but yeah. So I, I also, as an extension, I think this is kind of, and I, I don't know where, I don't know where the athletic department stands on this. I don't really know where the fans stand on this. I feel like if you get Lane Hatcher in at quarterback at Texas state and you can't make something happen, win a few games, finish 500 or above 500, I think you should be looking for work elsewhere. Um, I feel like this should sh- sort of be Spavadol's kind of last chance. You know what I mean? No, I agree. But I said that last year as well. Um, so I I don't know if saying that really means anything because I thought last year was going to be his last hurrah. Well, it took a lot for them to finally fire Everett Withers, um, who was head coach before Spavadol. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he was – Withers was truly a bad, like a bad head coach at Texas State. I don't know a nicer way to put it. And it took them forever to fire him. So maybe they just give him a long leash and and go from there. Um, so the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about, and this kind of circles back to what we said about the West. Okay, you and I both agree that Louisiana, kind of by default, should be the team that comes out of the West. But it seems that other people at Media Day didn't think they were going to be and said, uh, you know, talking about them losing too much as far as the head coach, uh, talent transferring out, Levi Lewis leaving. Um, you know, what do you think? What do, uh, here's, here's a good question because we'll get into this when we start doing previews of the entire, you know, East and West. What do you think a successful season for DeSormo as the first year head coach of Louisiana would be? And do you think that there's a chance that expectations are maybe too high coming off of what they did last year, considering what they return kind of this year? Uh, I'd have to look at their schedule and I'm pulling that up now to, you know, really give you like a win count of this is what you should be doing. But after the season they had last year, you need to be winning minimum eight games. Um, And, you know, that number may fluctuate, like I said, depending on um, 
like they have Florida State in their schedule, right? That may alter the expectation a little bit because you're playing a Florida State or something of that nature. But, but just just hear me out. I think if they if DeSormo has a good team behind him, we don't know what they're going to look like until they finally take the field. If DeSormo has a good team behind him, I could see them upsetting Florida State. Florida State has not really done anything under Mike Norville. And and I just read something today that said that this might be kind of Norvell's last chance to sort of get a winner in Tallahassee. So, you know, I, looking up and down the schedule, I could see a world in which Louisiana wins every game. <laughs> really? It, it sounds silly, but I mean, their first three games are Southeast Louisiana, Eastern Michigan, and Rice. Uh-huh. Then they play the cakewalk that is the Western Sunbelt. Yeah. Throw in Georgia Southern, throw in Marshall. I mean, your hardest game on the schedule is, of course, Florida State, but behind that, it really is Marshall. Interesting. There's a world in which they go undefeated. So they don't they don't face either App or Coastal this year in the regular season? Not that I'm seeing. Okay. Well, um, if that's true, I mean, yeah. So, so the – Knowing that now, what what should their expectations be, and and what what do you think a successful season, considering everything they lost coming into this year, what do you think a successful season looks like for them? Anything short of making the conference championship is a failure, um, as we've talked about and will continue to talk about throughout the season. There's nobody out west other than Louisiana, right? You've got names that might be able to be a dark horse, but when we're looking at a fundamental, what is this team? Are they good or bad? There's no one other than Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Um, So for them to fall any short of a conference championship, I'm not going to say you go out and fire your head coach, your first year head coach after that, but that's a very, very poor sign if you're asking me. Sure. Um, so I'm looking at the schedule now too. Uh, the Florida State game takes place November 19th. Um, I, I'll say it again. From what I've heard, if Florida State stumbles and and looks bad early to mid middle of 2022, I could see them facing a Florida State team that has a interim head coach that has fired Mike Norvell already. So depending on what they look like, I think. I think a successful season for them and and this may be even like undercutting a little bit, but I just think with everything they lost, you have to consider it. I think winning like seven games, seven or eight games would be a successful season just because they aren't the same team that they had been the last two years, both from a coaching and talent perspective. And I could see them maybe tripping up a couple times, you know, this year I could see them losing to like Marshall or something, you know, at Marshall, or, you know, even if they found a, they, it, somehow they lost to South Alabama or something, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I could see, I, I think eight game, eight wins, seven, eight wins would be actually a successful season because I think they, they have so much that they need to kind of work back to where they were last year and where they had been the last two years. So, um, so you, for you, that's your bar of success. Uh, for me, seven, eight wins is uh, where I'm considering if this guy keeps his job. 
Um, I, I think that's a little harsh. To, it's to it's definitely harsh, and there's a reason I'm not paid, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to make those calls. But uh, as an armchair, you know, athletic director, that that's my call right there. Sure. I mean, you know, I, I feel like if he if he came in and had the head coach or had the team that Napier had last year with Levi Lewis and all that, and, and you were saying that I would get it, but having to kind of restock the entire team and find a new quarterback and do all that kind of stuff, I, I feel like I feel like they sh- they're probably not going to be happy fully full disclosure with seven or eight wins, mm-hmm. but I think you can live with it in a year one of a, of a new coach, like I said, breaking in a new quarterback, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, however, uh, for all the listeners, this is pretty much, uh, where we're going to just kind of cut it as far as media days talk. Uh, again, not a lot to get up in arms about, um, but just some interesting kind of talking points that we found uh, over media day. Uh, the The plan is for the next couple weeks, um, Zeke and I will take a look at both the East and West divisions in consecutive episodes. Uh, and then we'll kind of go from there and get into the season um, but next week, the plan, Zeke and I talk Sunbelt East from top to bottom, give, you know, look at win totals, things like that, kind of give our predictions as far as what we see happening. And then we'll do the same for the West, uh, the week after. So Zeke kind of wrapping this episode up, do you have any sort of last minute thoughts and where can people find you on social media? You know, no real last-minute thoughts. I think anything I've still got we'll touch on in the coming weeks as we uh, take a closer look at each conference, take a closer look at uh, each team. But I'm available on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. That's where you can find all of my stories um, that I write about Georgia State and the Sun Belt. Of course, those are also available on underdogdynasty.com. And that's where the folks out there can find me. Perfect. Uh, so I'm Brian Stone. You can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. Uh, like I said, we will be back in the in the coming weeks with some more Sunbelt content as we are 33 days away from the start of the Sunbelt football season. Zeke, get hyped! It's, summer's finally over. Football's coming back. I couldn't be more excited to be totally honest with you. So. We'll look forward to breaking all that stuff down, and then, like I said, jumping into week one of the uh, week one of the NCAA season. Uh, as always, this has been the Sunbelt Dynasty Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Mm-hmm.